through. So if you found in your Bibles the book of Genesis chapter number 6 and beginning in verse number 5 tonight, let's stand as we read the word of God just for a minute. And we're going to realize some of the amazing things that happened in the account of, of Noah. And the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter number 6 and verse number 5, and it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention and the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on this earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man who I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven. I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray tonight that we find favor in your eyes, Lord God. I pray that we find favor in you tonight. Lord God, I pray that even in the midst of everything that we go through and all the trials that we, we endure in this earth, that we would not be found wicked in your eyes, Lord God, that we would be found to have favor in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, as we study this account of Noah tonight, we pray for great and mighty victories to take place in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated tonight. And we're going to continue reading just as the scriptures here is where we had finished. Jason, can you hit the lights for me, please? <clears throat> and but Noah had found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man and blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth was corrupt in God's sight. And the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth. And behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted the way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Noah, I have, or excuse me, behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. I want to begin tonight to first, to first talk to you about this. There was a line that they said right there in the movie trailer that I wanted to, I wanted to bring out. And this is one of my favorite lines that I've ever heard. And he said, uh, he was, this was the father speaking to Noah, and he said, he speaks to you. You must trust that he speaks to you in a way that you can understand. The best thing I need to tell you tonight, and the first thing I need to tell you tonight, is we must begin to trust the voice of God. We must begin to trust the voice of God. Noah, in the midst of everything going on, and, can you, and I want to say, can you imagine this? But honestly, no, we cannot imagine this because we will never be put in this situation. But can you imagine out of all the millions and even billions of people that were on the earth in Noah's days, and there would have been in the billions at that time, can you imagine being the only person to hear the voice of God? And you have never experienced a drop of rain before because the earth hadn't experienced rain at that time. You have never experienced anything of this craziness that was about to happen that God had told you about. And God says, I need you to build a boat. Do you understand what I'm getting at? Some of you are thinking, wow, that is so crazy. It's kind of like saying, I need you to start a church. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Some of you, it's like, I need you to go to Costa Rica. You know what I'm saying? Some of you, it's, I need you to be the witness in your workplace. And you think, and you're sitting here, it's like, God, out of everybody in the world, why are you picking on me? God's not picking on you. God wants you to know his voice. And here's the one thing that I love that they just said. You must trust that God will speak to you in a way that you understand. You've got to get that through your head tonight. You've got to get that into your heart tonight. You must trust that God will begin to speak to you in a way that you'll understand. I want you to begin to do this this week. Say, God, I'm asking you to speak to me. And then continue the phrase, God, I want you to, when you speak to me, let me know that it's you. Because there's a lot of times, church, God speaks to us. And he tells us things. But we don't know that it's God. We just think, oh, that's a good thought. 
Oh, wow, that's a great idea. Oh, wow, that sounds so neat. Man, I wish somebody would step out and do that. That is awesome. <laughs> you know, man, I really think somebody should bring that family who's hurting over there a meal. That would be amazing to see somebody do that. Do you know what I'm talking about? And you have all these opportunities that God, I truly believe, is speaking to you, but you got to begin to know the voice of God in such a way that, and trust him that he'll speak to you in a way that you understand and speak to you in a way and a time that you'll understand it. A lot of people ask me this, and, and I, I find it a, a funny question. It's like, dang, Joel, why do you like to work out so much? And it's not because I like to work out. It's because that's when I hear from God. <laughs> That's my alone time, because you want to know why? I have no phone, I have no email, I have nobody calling me, I have no sermons I'm prepping for, I don't have a computer in front of me, I don't have nothing to distract me from when God speaks to me. There's a lot of times, and I hear this, this is a funny story, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, preachers say this, God speaks to me in the bathroom. Why do you think that is? Finally, you've stopped for a minute so he can get a word in. I've heard people say this all the time, God speaks to me in the shower. Probably because you don't have your cell phone with you in the shower. God speaks to me late at night. Well, probably because everybody in your family's in bed. God speaks to me early in the morning. Well, probably because you're the first one up in your house and no chaos has started in the day. You've got to understand, God wants to speak to you, but not just speak to you. Speak to you in a way and a time and a format that you'll understand that it's him. That you'll know that it's God. There's no better story to describe this than 1 Samuel chapter number 3. And this is the call of the great prophet Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. And it said, the Lord called Samuel. And this is when he was a young boy. And Samuel said, here I am. And he got up and he ran to the high priest Eli and said to him, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go lie down again. So he went and he laid down and the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel got up and he arose and he went to the high priest Eli. And he said to you, here I am, you called for me. But he said, I did not call you. Go lie down, my son. Now Samuel did not know yet the voice of the word or the word of the Lord had been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and said, here I am, you call for me. And Eli perceived that it was the Lord God calling to the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down his head in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as other times. And Samuel said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, which, which to the two ears of everyone, wait, excuse me, I'm about to do a thing in Israel, at which to the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I read that passage for a specific purpose. Because there is something so important about people being trained to hear the voice of God. It is not something that comes natural. And, and I want to explain this. When you were born, you were born with a broken, fallen, sin nature. Separated from God. And you could not hear the voice of God. When you got born again, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You had a divine connection made, uh, made again with God Almighty. When that divine connection made, was made again with God Almighty, God began to speak to you at that point. But unless you begin to train your ear and your mind and your heart to hear the voice of God, you will never hear the voice of God. So many believers go through their everyday, day-to-day -day life and are devastated because I just never hear God, Pastor. Well, here's the thing. Listen to what Samuel said. Listen to his response. When he heard, thought he heard the voice of the Lord, 
Listen to what he says. He said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. This is what I'm saying when I say ask God to speak. And when he asks you, to, when you ask him to speak and he speaks, ask you to know that it's him. I always say this, God, if you're telling me to do something, don't just tell me to do something. Tell me to do something about five times through five different people all at the same time so I understand it's you until I begin to get to know your voice. And this is how I began to know the voice of God in my own personal life. This is my personal testimony. I didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, that's the voice of God. God would begin to impress something on my heart. And I would say, God, I don't know if this is you. Can you help me know that it's you? And I would be working at the grocery store and somebody would come up and say, hey, you know, I think you'd be really good at doing something like this. And it'd be like, oh, really? Because I think God's telling me to do that. See, I asked God to confirm, so I began to know his voice. And once you begin to get to know his voice, and you begin to get to hear his voice, you'll begin to understand, oh, God's speaking, I need to listen, and I need to obey. This also goes along, because it, it goes to the next part, and it says, incline your ear. Isaiah 55, 3 says, incline your ear and come to me. Hear so your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. Listen, God says you have to make it a purposeful intention if you're going to hear from him he said incline your ear he said make yourself and put yourself in a position so that you can hear from me incline your ear for one reason and it says that your soul may live see there's something God wants to do in your life and that's called bring life into it but the only thing that has ever given true life is the word of God and it's happened all through Genesis. And then when the fall of man happened, God's inability to give life happened. And then when Jesus came, Jesus said, I am come that you would have what? Life and have it more abundantly. And so the word of God brings life. God wants you to hear his voice so it gives you life. Have you ever been in the situation in your life that you actually felt like you were alive? Okay, some of y'all are like, I've never really felt alive, <laughs> I mean, have you ever done something so crazy, like jumped out of an airplane, and you got done, it's like, oh, I'm alive. <laughs> you know, I mean, you felt alive, alive. I have never felt more alive in my life than when I was doing what God has called me to do. People say this all the time, Pastor, how do you continually preach week after week with passion? Because this is what gives me life. It's called hearing from God and obeying and doing. <laughs> and a lot of people make it hard, but it's not hard. You just got to learn to ask God to speak. When he speaks to you, say, God, let me know that it's you speaking. But you got to be ready to hear when God is speaking. I love the video clip because it says God will speak to you in a way that you understand. How many of y'all are sports people in here? You know, I mean, you love sports. You love doing, you love watching it. Any sports, good sports. I mean, there is no such thing as a bad sport. Amen. Okay, maybe you're not that much of a junkie like I am. But I purposely have to challenge myself not to orchestrate every message that I do around sports. And I try to eliminate it a lot of times. I know there's sometimes I, I, I theme whole series around sports so I get to do what I love. But God can speak to you through anything. And most of the time when you're doing what you love to do most, God wants to speak to you in that time if you'll let him because he can find a way to relate to you. He can find a way to talk to you. He can find a way to get through to you with crazy analogies that will explain the scriptures that you would have never understood otherwise. And so if we're going to see the body of Christ rise to prominence, be what God's called us to be, we must begin to know the voice of God. Some of you are worship people. 
It never fails. The minute the worship team starts singing, man, God just starts speaking. Some of you are prayer people. The minute you go into prayer, it's like you got this divine connection to heaven, and God just opens up the floodgates and starts speaking. Some of you are word people. You'll open up the Bible, and you'll just start reading, and it's like the scriptures just become alive. I have no problem reading the Bible. That's how God speaks to me many times. It's through the word of God. Some of you are just quiet time people, and you would be more classified as prayer people because when you're walking and you're spending your time exercising, your alone time, you're doing it to quiet yourself to hear the voice of God, and God speaks to you. I need as a church for you to hear the voice of God because not for the sake of somebody else, but for the sake of yourself. When it says, incline your ear that your soul may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. If you begin to hear the voice of God, when you begin to hear the voice of God, watch how your life changes. I always tell people um, in, in marriages who are struggling in their marriage is this. Ask God how you're supposed to minister to your spouse today. Not for the week, not for the month, not for the year. Today, what are you supposed to do for your spouse? Some of you are like, nothing, because they've been a jerk. It's not the answer. You didn't hear from God. <laughs> Promise, you didn't hear from God. When you begin to hear from God, it'll bring life into every area. How do, how do I discipline my kids, God? Because, man, sometimes you just want to bring the belt, and God says, nope. Bring a still, small voice. Bring a still, small voice. There's a lot of times when you say, God, speak louder, and this is what God says. I need you to listen closer. I need you those times when you don't hear God speaking, he's speaking. He's just wanting you to get closer to him, to hear him, to hear the voice of God. So we need to get to the point where we hear the voice of God. The next part of the story of Noah that I want to bring to you is goes into the next chapter, chapter number eight. And it says, then, but God remembered Noah and all of the beasts and the livestock that were with him on the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. Now, I find this phrase very peculiar. Yeah, it's on the back side of your handout. I find this phrase very peculiar, and it says, but God remembered. But God remembered. Now, question is, if God is an all-knowing God, did he forget? And if he did not forget because it's impossible for God to forget something because he's an all-knowing God, then what does it mean when he says, I remembered? And see, a lot of people think, well, God forgot about your sins. No, he didn't. He said he chose not to remember your sins. He said, I remember them no more. So God didn't forget your sins. He made a conscious choice, a conscious choice being an all-powerful God, not to remember them. He didn't forget them. He made a choice that says, I don't remember them anymore. So God doesn't forget, but he can make a conscious decision not to remember. But when it says here, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts, of the, beasts and all the livestock that were with him, he made a wind blow over the earth and the water subsided. What God remembered means is this. It does not mean God forgot, but in fact, the Hebrew word, it means to mark as special or noteworthy. Remembered in that term means God marked it as special or noteworthy. How many of y'all have ever been in a situation in your life and you said, God, did you just forget about me? You know, I've been seeking you. I've been down here working and it just seems like you are nowhere to be found. Am I the only one who's gone through that? If you've gone through that, just kind of lift your hand. If you haven't, I need you to start walking with God, okay? Because everybody who's a believer has been at this point at some point in their life. And you begin to wonder, God, are you really there? 
God, did you forget? God, where are you at? God, do you even remember me and what I'm going through? God, where are you at? What are you doing? Listen to this. To remember means to be made um, to be made noteworthy, to mark as special. It is like God is putting you as a prized possession up on a shelf. How many of y'all have had little kids or know what little kids do to nice stuff? I mean, you know, if you got nice stuff and you got little kids, where do you put it? Up high. You put it where what? They can't reach it, but you can get to it when you need it. You mark it as special or noteworthy. You say, hey, you know, this is just a little bit too valuable, so I'm going to put it up here where the little blessings of God down here can't touch it. Amen. Now listen. Listen to what God did. God elevated Noah to a place where nothing could touch him. He elevated him above the destructions of the flood water. Even though I'm sure at the time the flood waters seemed like they were going to overlap and sink the ark. Listen, you got to trust that when God says, I remembered you, he said, I have made you special. I have made you noteworthy. I have set you above the problems that you're going through. And even though it looks like I've forgotten about you and you, have, you haven't seen me in a while or you haven't heard from me in a while, you've got to trust that I have remembered you. I have marked you as special. I have marked you as noteworthy. In fact, I gave my one and only son for you so you know I hadn't forgotten. But there are times in your life when I believe God said you high above and he marks you till the time when you're prepared to go back to where he's called you to be those quiet times in your life where you don't feel God or you don't think God's there many times he's marked you as special or noteworthy and he's lifted you high above your circumstances to a point that you don't even understand what he's protecting you from and some of you tonight are sitting here saying God I would just love to hear your voice I would love to know that you're still there. God, did you forget? God did not forget. God knows you by name, and he knows every hair on your head, and if, he, if you're bald tonight, he knows your hair on your head is numbered zero. Okay? So he's marked you. He set you high above. He's made you noteworthy. He's put you in a place of divine protection. But many times in that place of divine protection where we're on the ark and we're lifted high above the floodwaters, we find ourselves in the midst of griping and complaining and questioning God rather than trusting that the God of all mankind that there's nothing too hard for has lost control. And we wonder if the floodwaters are ever going to subside. We wonder if the ship is going to sink or go under. We wonder and we begin to question God. The thing I love about the account of Noah, all those days on the ark, you never heard of him questioning God. And I love the part of the video clip. The little girl says, Dad, is this the end? He says, no, it's just the beginning. Is this the end? No, it is just the beginning. Here's what I want to challenge you tonight. If you're ever in that place in your life, and you're beginning to wonder, is God there? Is God really speaking? Can God really get me out of this? It's never going to be the end. I promise God may be making a new beginning for you. He may be setting a whole new stage for you. He may be making a whole new earth for you to live in, to dwell, to go inhabit. I'm going to challenge you in the midst of being in the ark, being raised above, that God didn't forget. He still remembers. He doesn't just remember. He's marked you as noteworthy or special. He's placed you in a place that when the time is right, the floodwaters will subside and you'll land right where he's called you to land to start the life God's called you to start and be the person he's called you to be. Man, there are times in the ministry and in the church and in things that happen and things that go on, and, I, and I've wondered myself before, even in the midst of pastoring, God, 
God, have you forgotten us here? I mean, really, God, I understand what you've called us to be, but here? Why are we here? What are we doing here? And, and I'll begin to question God, and God just says, remember I've marked you as special and noteworthy. And sometimes I've just raised you and elevated you so high above the things that are trying to destroy you that nothing can touch you. And at the proper time, I will bring you to rest at the very mountain that I've called you to start a new life on. So if you're struggling with something tonight, I want to ask you this. Don't question God, trust him. Ask him, God, where am I in the midst of the flood? Because many times... He'll look at you and smile and says, you're marked as special. You're marked as noteworthy. You're marked by my blood, the blood of my son. And I'm going to bring you to a safe place to land. So he elevates the prized items high above the circumstances of the world that, that they were going through. We talked about the voice. We talked about did God forget. But God didn't stop there. Towards the end of the, the account of Noah, he talks about the promise the promise of God. And this is Genesis 9, verses 11 through 16. And God says, I will establish my covenant with you, talking about Noah, that never again shall the flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall the flood destroy the earth. And God said, this will be a sign of the covenant that I make between you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow, talking about a rainbow in the cloud, that it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. I will bring, when I bring clouds over the earth and the bow, the rainbow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. All the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. And when the bow, the rainbow is in the clouds, I will see it and I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and every every living creature that is upon the earth listen to this do not let your experiences or fears of the past compromise the promises of God for today do not let your experiences or fears of the past compromise the promises of God for today let me explain what I mean by that imagine that you're in Noah's shoes imagine that you have just experienced the most horrific flood that has ever uh, dawned the face of the earth and it crushed every living thing. Uh, I mean, there is nothing left. Uh, I mean, unprecedented in its time. And you experience the worst of the worst. And literally, I'm telling you to imagine something you cannot imagine. But remember when the ark landed because God marked them as special or noteworthy and they all got out? Imagine this. The first time thunderclouds began to roll in again the fear that struck the heart of the family, thinking, is it happening again? Is another storm going to come and take us this time? Is another storm going to come and crush us? And this is what God says. He says it right here. And it says, when I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow is seen in the clouds, I'm going to ask you this. Remember the worst experience of your life right now, whatever that may be. You may have been abused as a child. You may have been, have you ever been in a car wreck? I mean, I've been in several car wrecks, okay? And if you've ever been in a car wreck, do you remember getting in and driving the next day, and the minute somebody even begins to look like they're pulling out in front of you, you freak out, hit the brake, go on and honk the horn, and ask them, what are you thinking? They may not be doing anything wrong. I mean, they may have just pulled up to the stop sign a little too quick and you thought they were going to run it and smack you again. 
your experiences or fears of the past have compromised your driving ability for today because you're freaked out at every little thing. I mean, you're more attentive, you're more aware. Imagine the family of Noah. When the clouds begin to roll in for the first time, the fear that began to take place in their life, thinking, is this going to be another great flood? I know what God has said. Hear me on this. We as church are good about this. Pastor, I know God said this, but when you say but, you are saying, I trust my fears and experiences of the past more than the words and the promises of God today. Pastor, I would love to tithe, but you're trusting your past failures of tithing over the promises of God today. Pastor, I would love to trust my spouse again, but you're trusting the fears and experiences of the past over the promises of God today. Pastor, I would love to take a step of faith and do what I'm called into the ministry, but remember the last time I did and how hurt I got. Here's the thing. Listen to this. Rainbows do not appear before the storm, but after. Rainbows don't appear before the storm. They appear after the storm. Many people want a physical sign before the storm, but God gives the physical sign after faith has taken you through the storm. God wants you to trust him through the storm, and after the storm, he will show you the sign of his covenant that he has not gone back on his word. The problem many people think is, God, give me the rainbow before the storm so I know you're still there. And when I know you're still there before the storm, I'll step out by faith. No, because that is not faith. You're going by what you see, not by what is unseen. God says, I need you to know my voice like we talked about in the beginning. I need you to hear me. And when you hear me, I need you to move forward. And when you move forward and you press in my faith, after the storm subsides, I'll show you my rainbow in the clouds. Some of you have been so hurt in relationships in the past. You cannot have a quality relationship today because everything you think about a relationship today, it's tainted by your experiences of the past. And I'm talking about some of you will not make new friends because you've had friends in the past who have hurt you. And you're trusting your experiences of the past over your promises from God from today. The Bible says this, if you're needing friends, the one who shows himself friendly has many friends. Some of you are afraid to love again, afraid to love again because when you loved in the past, you got your heart broke. And when your heart got broken in the past, it's jaded you. And for you to step out and love somebody today, you're saying, you know, I'd rather be alone and lonely because I know I won't get hurt again. And your experiences of the past are stopping you from trusting the promises of God today. And the scary thing about the church is this. We've let the experiences of the past 20 and 30 years as a church world hinder us from believing the promises of God today. And you know what, you know what bothers me the most? Is that we're not seeing a generation take God at his word anymore. We say, hey, I grew up in this. I've seen this ha all the junk happen in church. I've seen all the problems happen in church. And so today we have a whole generation Right now, the age of 18 to, to about 32 is leaving the church. Only about 20% of that generation goes to church. That's scary. Because they are letting the experiences and the fears of the past stop them from believing the promises of God today. I want to I ask you to stop and think just for a minute on this. What would you believe God for today? 
if you knew it would happen beyond a shadow of a doubt. I mean, you, you, you'd jump out of a plane if you knew the parachute would be there. What, what is it? Expand your thinking for a minute. Some of you think, I would go on that mission trip. If I knew God would really have the money there, I'd sign up to go. Some of you are thinking, I, I would give God another chance to bring somebody into my life. I, I would let God bring a person into my life, a friend into my life, the spouse God's called me to have into my life. I would trust God again and try having another child after miscarrying three or four times. I would trust God again. I would trust God again in the midst of stepping out and, 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 and teaching another lesson again and, and trying to, to, to be a minister of the gospel. I would trust him again. Here's the thing. God wants to speak to you in a way that you'll understand him. And when he begins to speak to you in a way that you'll understand him, you'll begin to trust him again. And when you begin to trust him again, you'll remember and you'll know that you're not some insignificant person, but you have been made special or noteworthy. And you've been lifted actually high above your storm that you think you're in the midst of the storm. And God's going to bring you to a place tonight of supernatural rest. Some of y'all have been fighting battles. Some of y'all have been so hurt in churches, you're saying, Pastor, it's a miracle I'm even in this building tonight. You don't know what I've been through. You're right, I don't. I don't know what some of your divorces have been like. I don't know what some of your child abuse situations have been like. I don't know what some of your spousal abuse situations have been like. I don't know how many of you have been cheated out of jobs and monies and careers and promotions. You're right, I don't know. I don't, but God does. God passionately knows. And what God is passionately saying is, don't trust the circumstances. Trust me. Trust me over the storm. Because God didn't say the clouds weren't going to come. God said, when the clouds come, I'll put a sign in the heavens. And there will be a rainbow there. Confirming my covenant with you. Confirming my promises that I'm faithful. I am true. I am trustworthy. In fact, he's declaring in your life, make me God again. Make me God again. A lot of people are in this mindset of, yeah, he's God, but he's not God. He's God. He's got the title, but he's not God. He's not the God who created the earth. He's not God. He's just God. The God who's let you down, the God who you feel has failed you. God said, don't look at your past experiences anymore. Don't look at them. Stop. Look at my promises. Because my promises are true. They're true enough that I would give my one and only son to pay for them. They're that true. The blessings of God are there. They're real. And will bad things happen and bad times take place? Sure they will. Sure they will. But here's the thing. The promises of God are greater. The promises of God are still true. Anytime that me and my wife or the church is going through something that's not great, and there's been plenty of them I could list these past four weeks since the first of the year started, and we've gone times two, it's been an onslaught of bad stuff. The promises of God are still true. We're still going times two. We don't care. We know we've been marked as special and made noteworthy. 
We know when the storms subside and God's going to bring us to the place of rest that he's called us to be. And we know that we're not going to let the past circumstances, the past five years, two years, two months, two weeks, dictate of how we believe and put our trust in God today. Because listen, the past is a locked door that you can't change or fix. Tomorrow's the future. You don't have, you're not there yet. Today is the only day that you can believe God. So believe him today. I'm going to ask you to do this tonight at the altar call. I'm going to ask you to believe God for who God is. Believe God that he'll speak to you, that he's got a voice. Believe that God has remembered right where you're at. Some of you are so lonely tonight, you're, you're just wondering, is there even a God? I'm going I'm to ask you to, to step out and ask God to talk to you again. He's remembered you. He's about to bring you to a place of rest.